take up the morning offering. It's good to see everybody this morning. I am happy today and the sun shines bright The clouds have been rolled away For the Savior said whosoever will May come with Him to stay Whosoever surely meaneth me Surely meaneth me, oh surely meaneth me Whosoever surely meaneth me It's hymn number 15, if you I guess we don't have our words up here, so. <laughs> Sorry about that. Second verse. All my hopes have been raised, oh, his name be praised. His glory has filled my soul. I've been lifted up and from sin set free. His blood has made me whole. Whosoever surely meaneth me. Surely meaneth me, oh, surely meaneth me, whosoever surely meaneth me, whosoever meaneth me. Last verse, oh, what wonderful love, oh, what grace divine, Jesus should die for me. I was lost in sin for the world I find, now I am set free. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother David, would you order a prayer? Amen.
you, Martha. I appreciate that. So welcome back, folks. I'm glad to be back. I, I had somebody ask me to fill out a visitor card when I came in here this morning. I said, "Well, we haven't been we haven't been gone that that long, have we?" <laughs> I know it kind of it kind of does. We had a great trip down to uh, Florida there, and the wedding all went good and everything, and and uh, we just had a nice time. Weather down there was perfect, and uh, uh, even though I don't particularly like the state of Florida, so that's why we didn't stay down there. Good. Anyhow, um, they do have some very good independent Baptist churches down there that I found when I worked down there that I, I attended pretty regularly and everything. So anyhow, the, um, I uh, watched pastors teaching here over the last couple of weeks so I could get a good feel for where he got with this and where he ended up and everything. And it, it looked to me <clears throat> like it, he got done right before you started the dispensation of grace. Does that sound, does that sound right to everyone? Okay, so that's where we're going to, that's where we'll get started off here and everything. I, I did notice that during his uh, time of teaching, and I, I tend to watch people like that and learn from their methodology and how they do it because he's clearly much better and much more uh, experienced at this than, than I am. And I mean, he's been doing it for years and all that. We were kind of, kind of joking around with a couple of the ladies back there. And, and I think Brenda says, yeah, he acts like he's been to college and stuff, you know? <laughs> and I said, I think he has, and I haven't. So anyways, uh, we'll get into this and, and we'll just talk. But what I was gonna mention there is it, it looked like he was pretty, uh, I don't know if the word's adamant, but he was, he, he kind of engaged you folks a lot with questions and all that kind of stuff, okay? And I'm always, I'm always open for that, and, and I probably don't know the answer to any of the questions. But here's what I can, here's what I, I've learned from instructing people how to fly airplanes over the years, that you, you never tell somebody something that you don't, that you're not, that you don't know what you're talking about. But if you tell them, hey, look, I, I can find out about that, and we got tons of resources around here. I found out in a meeting here the other day that Ken Brinson has been teaching this Sunday school class here for like 20 years or 21 years or something he's been around doing. I mean, there's a wealth of knowledge about how this stuff goes and how to do these and all this kind of stuff. It's a, um, there are things that I'm, that I'm very, very confident in in teaching and all that stuff, but handling the word of God is a whole different it's a whole different ballgame. There is, uh, there is a uh, eternal aspect to this, right? And so we want to make sure that we get it right. Amen. This stuff that we're talking about here right now, particularly when we start into grace and we start getting into the revelation stuff and the tribulation period and all this stuff, I'll just come right out and make this disclaimer. I don't have any idea about how all this works uh, what it's going to look like. The, uh, uh, I, I've, I've read through it a whole bunch of times. As a matter of fact, we're going to read through some stuff here in, in Revelation while we're doing it today. But here's what I do know for certain about it. We're not going to be around here when any of this happens. <laughs> and it looks like it's a good thing that we're not going to be here. There's uh, things that I've learned about how this is all going to come down and everything. 
Not sure about timeline on it, not sure about any of that aspect of it. As a matter of fact, I don't think that it really points that out, like in here's what day it's going to be or anything. I think uh, Pastor, when he was teaching, he says, look, we, we don't, God the Father is the only one that knows about how this is all going to actually happen and when and the timeline and everything. So uh, we certainly can understand about the seasons that it's going to happen in. And uh, boy, there's just a lot, lots of things going on on this planet that look like they're exactly lining up with the way that the book of Revelation says that they're supposed to be lining up, and the other prophets as well. So yesterday afternoon, um, and this, what brought this to mind for me was Dave, when he was praying for the offering there, he said something about praying for our country. And uh, boy, I always, like even right now when I start talking about America, my eyes get tears in them because I love this country. It is, uh, the founding of it is miraculous where the country has come and it's, you know, 250 years or however long it's been around now. Uh, could only get to this point if God's hand, you know, it could only get here because God's hand has been on this country. And we are just throwing this thing right down the crapper right now, folks. Um, yesterday we had the good fortune of going to a uh, 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 American Patriots dinner that was put on by the Wise County Conservative uh, group around here. And uh, there were six or seven guys up on that platform, all of them highly decorated military people. One of the guy's wives even came up there and spoke and she was, to, to, I told Patty, I said she was my favorite speaker at the thing. I mean, this lady was just as sincere and open and honest about what's going on with all of this stuff in our country and particularly what happened to her, to her husband. This guy was a guy that got prosecuted uh, for, for murdering. Uh, he killed a guy over in a war and then he got prosecuted for it. What was that fellow's name, Patty? Do you remember? I can't remember it either. But anyway, um, our government put him through the ringer. And there's a whole bunch of stuff when you talk about these things where you talk about praying for our country. Every person on that stage was a committed Christian. You could tell by the way they talked, by their profession. There was one guy, a um, well-decorated uh, Navy SEAL, had been doing that job for 20 years. And uh, I mean, this guy, big, big burly guy, tattoos all, all over the place. He gave a challenge to that audience about knowing Christ as your savior that was as good as anything I've ever heard from a pulpit. And this coming from a guy that looked like he could look at you and kill you, <laughs> you know? But, but anyway, they all talked about the same thing. We need revival in this country. We need this country to turn back to God and then he might heal this land up. I mentioned to another woman that I was talking to there, a good friend of ours, co-worker from the airline, and her boyfriend were there at this thing. And, uh, you know, I said, I'm not so certain that there's a whole bunch of hope left for America. There's, uh, uh, God can turn this thing around for, you know, for forever, actually. God can do anything that he wants to, right? But, uh, well, when you start looking into this book of Revelation and you get into Gog and Magog and you look at all what's going on around this planet right now, and America's not really a big decided player in any of that. And so you just wonder if maybe we're not on the, on the end of our existence as we know it here, and it just breaks my heart to, to think about that. Anyhow, um, 
what we're going to start off with here is the dispensation of grace, and thank goodness we have that. So we'll just have a word of prayer here real quick, and then we'll get going with the lesson. Father, thank you for the time that you've set aside here this morning. Thank you for the people that are in here this morning, Lord. I'd ask that you'd bless the, the study time here, that we'd receive a message from your word here. We love you, praise you, and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So the dispensation of grace, and that grace, I don't know where you guys are at on your filling your little sheets out. I know Pastor gave out a, a big packet of sheets with the little timeline on the back of it and all that. Everybody been following that? Does everybody have all the, does everybody in here have the paperwork? I see some maybe new people back there. Uh, but anyway, you don't have the paperwork, sir? Can you see about tracking one of those down for them, Patty, and anybody else that might need one? <clears throat> anyway, the little... Just to give you a little idea, that timeline at the back end of this thing, it's actually on, on mine, it's page 177. It's probably the same page you all have there. You don't have that either? I didn't even bring my book. You didn't even bring? Sir, you need to drive home and get your book. You know, you know what? I used to come unprepared for class in high school and all that kind of stuff. Boy, that was a big deal, and you'd get in trouble. So I was in trouble just about every day. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they've got this little timeline here drawn out, and Pastor, I think when he was talking about it, he talking about how it's not to scale, that it's just all the different things that we go in and are, that we're talking about here. Amen. And uh, um, they correspond, the timeline actually corresponds to the, the letter the capital letter that we're in right now. So if you're looking at the timeline, we're starting off on capital letter F here, dispensation of grace, and uh, that is pointed out on that timeline at that F, and it's actually a bracketed thing. Starts from the time Christ uh, got here and, uh, and goes all the way out to, in my picture there, L or O. And we'll talk about all those things as we get, uh, as we get moving along here. Timeline does not have dates on it because nobody knows what the dates are about it. But we do know the seasons that it happens in, and we understand that these things are happening at this point in time, and there's some overlapping on it and all this kind of, all this kind of stuff. So um, dispensation of grace, and dispensation is just a, a, a word for a time frame or some kind of an order of things. This is how these different things are going to uh, happen here. And the... Uh, uh, it's an unmerited favor or an undeserved kindness that, uh, that God shows. And, and the, main, the main one that he showed for us was sending his son down here to die on a cross. There's been gracious things that have been done all along through, the, through this history, through this looking at all this stuff. There's been gracious things. But um, here's what the, the text says about it. This is the time that God gave man the unmerited favor of God in the person of Jesus Christ to be saved. Praise his holy name. Now, again, we, we always talk about these things, and, and, and we would say something along these lines here. In this crowd of people here, probably everybody in this room is saved. We could probably all fix some point in our life where we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to make sure that we have a relationship with him and that at the end of this equation, we end up in heaven with him forever and ever and ever and ever, right? So the other side that might be said about that is I'm pretty certain that all of us know at least one person, maybe a hundred people, who know, that aren't saved. And so part of... Uh, part of our knowledge about our faith here and what we're trying to do, why do we believe what we do, 
It's also to bolster up a bunch of, uh, a bunch of encouragement and boldness and what have you to tell other people about, about Jesus. Men can be saved even during the tribulation time. Thus, it is an extension of the age of grace. That's why the timeline is drawn out the way that it is there. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, <clears throat> probably if you've ever sat in to even one service at an independent Baptist church, you've heard, that, you've heard that verse right there. Not of works. Not anything you can do to earn it, and there's not anything you can do to unearn it once you, once you have it. We talked about how you can't give God an eviction notice here a few lessons ago, right? Once he's in there and you're saved, you're stuck with heaven when you die, folks. You can't get out of it. There's not anything. You can't even be mean enough to me to get out of it. So anyways, um, not a works lest any man should boast. One of the other things here is God's in his grace, in his loving kindness, in his mercy towards us. It says here he did this while we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So you, you've, you've got this patience that God has that surpasses anything that a human being could have. I was talking to, to Brenda back there, and she tells me, Gary doesn't even raise his voice at home. And I said, so he's probably never thrown a hammer through a window either, right? I've come close to doing that. But boy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you just didn't see it, that's right. So, so there are certain levels of patience that we have but nothing can be the patience that God has and the loving kindness and the grace that he has for us in our past conditions, our current conditions, and our, our future conditions that we're going to have. God just shows his grace and his mercy and his kindness towards us. Like, he, like It's just amazing how patient he is. When I was, um, was kind of doing a little bit of a, a look at on this, and hopefully I, hopefully I have this here somewhere, to read you this little little story here, real quick. It said, man's failure, the failure of unsaved people. Now keep in mind, God has been around forever, gonna be around for the rest of forever, right? And uh, he's been patient because he knew in advance how this was all going to turn out for any of us were formed in the womb. He knew us and he knew what was going to happen here. But there are still people that, that don't, don't believe in God. They don't believe in any, anybody. This is the first time I'd ever heard of this guy here, uh, this, this atheist. And, and maybe you all would know, know of him or heard of him before. The atheist Robert Ingersoll. Anybody ever heard that name? He's a famous guy. You go out there and you look him up on the internet and there's all kinds of stuff. And uh, as soon as I, I read his name and I kind of knew a little bit about what it was, as soon as I seen a picture of him, I said, that guy, that fits exactly his, what he is. <laughs> He's one of those kind of folks. The atheist Robert Ingersoll, after delivering one of his addresses, pulled his watch from his pocket and said, according to the Bible, God has struck men to death for blasphemy. I will blaspheme him and give him five minutes to strike me dead and damn my soul. Now, that is definitely a person that would say something like that that doesn't believe in God. And if he did believe in God, he doesn't have any idea who he is. All right? 
There followed a period of perfect silence as the minutes ticked away. The atmosphere was extremely tense. People began to get nervous and a woman fainted. At five minutes, Ingersoll snapped shut his watch, put it in his pocket and said, you see, there is no God or he would have taken me at my word. Now listen, listen to what else it says here. Did Ingersoll really prove that there is no God? Answer, no, he didn't, because there is. Actually, this unbeliever proved something else. He proved that we are living in a day of grace and that God is very long-suffering even to those who blaspheme his name. As one observer of that day said, did that fine gentleman think that he could exhaust the patience of God in five minutes? <laughs> he could have exhausted my patience in five seconds, but not the patience of God. God has been long-suffering. 120 years he sat around before the time of Noah before he did something about that. And now, in this age of grace we're operating in right now, it's been a little over 2,000 years. And so, uh, how is that in God's time? I says, well, t time doesn't really make any difference to God. He's got his scale that he operates on, whatever that happens to be. And, uh, and so, the, uh, um, you know, how much longer will he wait? Times look like he's probably not going to wait a whole lot longer. But we don't know. We don't have any idea about, uh, about when he's coming back or when any of this stuff is actually going to come down, particularly the stuff that we're getting ready to, uh, to talk about here. So, as it says in the book of Isaiah 30, 18, And therefore will the Lord wait, and that he may be gracious unto you. God's day of grace will not last forever, though. It does have an end coming. And that could be sooner than later. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. In the meantime, the Bible talks us to, to you know, stay busy about what we're supposed to be busy about. We should be witnessing. We should be attending church. Coming together with one another, forsaking yourself, not dissembling the other, as the manner of some is. But when, you, when it even gets closer and closer, we ought to be even doing it more. All right? So that's what I love about this church. You know, there's, I can just about, I could sit down and draw out a picture right now, if I was a good artist, of where every person in this room is sat at, where they're, where they're at and everything. And it's just encouraging to see the same people in here over and over, and then additions to it as we start getting more and more people in here. So... That's, uh, that's really quite, uh, quite exciting to see that. Anyway, the next part here, the next little thing you're going to fill out is the tribulation. Tribulation is the next thing we're going to start off with here. In Matthew 24, it says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not seen since the beginning of time till the world. And this from a time period, nor will ever be seen ever again. Once this tribulation period's over with, God is, is done with the tribulation period. We're all going to be in heaven with him. There's going to be a new heaven, new earth, new all this stuff, and this is all going to start over again. And I'm not going to, I'm going to have maybe the same kind of body, but boy, it's not going to have a sore nef, left knee like I have right now and some other things that, that are going on. But in any event, that's what we're in for here. So, what the text says about this is it says, this is the 70th week of Daniel, the tribulation period, a seven-year period in which the judgments of God will be meted out upon the world and those who rejected the truth of the gospel. So, how do they reject the truth of the gospel? Just kind of something as a little side note here. 
The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God, and his, the firmament showeth his handiwork. So right there, denying that might be a rejection of the gospel. Um, particularly if looking at that and kind of having an idea about what all that's about and where it came from and everything makes you decide that, yeah, I don't want anything, to, I don't believe in any of that, so I'm not even going to bother looking into the Bible. But the real rejection of the gospel is when somebody tells you about Jesus and how you need to know him as your Savior and then points out to you exactly how you come to know Christ as your Savior and then just flat out refuse to even hear about it or even have an open mind about it or anything. Well, those people that, that do like that, they have a tough road ahead of them for sure, and, and you know, according to the, to the Bible. So those who rejected the truth of the gospel, um, they must have heard it first. We, we gotta be the people out there telling these people about this stuff. This time frame is divided into two major sections, each spanning three and a half years. The tribulation, that sounds bad, but then there's the great tribulation, that even sounds worse. All right, and then there are three sets of seven judgments during the tribulation, the seven seals. So, seals one through five, the horses. Oh, and, and seals is another underlined thing here that you can write in your, write in your hand out there. The seals one, one through five, the horses, and it's in Revelation 6, one through 17. So I'm just going to kind of read through this. I might paraphrase. I might skip over a couple little verses in it. <clears throat> but let's just see what it has to say about this. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of these seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. He's got two things. He's doing one now, and he's going to do more conquering here down the road. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given unto him, that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. So you got the white horse judgment, land is acquired through peace is what our text says here. The red horse, the one we just mentioned there, is a, a war symbol and how this is all gonna work out. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see, and behold, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand, a black horse. And this, is, this relates to the word famine is what the text and what the, the lesson is all about here. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice the voice of a fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked and lo, behold, a pale horse in his name that sat on him with death and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. All right, so that's the, that's the pale horse. That's the, that's the next thing in the, in the outline here. So a whole bunch of different 
symbols, a whole bunch of different things that are going to happen, a whole bunch of different meanings here as we get into the first part of this, of this tribulation period. Now, as Pastor mentioned the other day, before all the, any of this stuff happens, we're, we're out of here. We're raptured. He kind of explained what that word rapture means. It's not found anywhere in the, in the uh, Bible, but then he talked about the, the two Greek words that make that word up that means just caught up and, and kind of moved out of here a little bit. So then you get into the um, then you get into the uh, the seal number six here, and it's a it's a uh, the great earthquake shows up. Now the Bible talks about here you're going to have wars and rumors of wars, and there's going to be earthquakes, and there's going to be all these things. I, I think there was just another earthquake here just this past week or something, maybe either down in Mexico or out there at the end of California, something. Sharon, you kind of remember hearing something about those. And, and, and you hear about that stuff all the time. It's an interesting thing, even though I haven't been at this for about a year and a half right now, but when I was uh, flying around the planet on a regular basis, news that you get in different countries, even if they have to be translated for you a little bit, it's a whole bunch different than the news that you get in America. Uh, sometimes if you want to really know what's going on, go find a station you can listen to the British Broadcasting uh, Circuit on or something of this nature and uh, you might get a little bit more about the truth. I wonder when you hear about these things and it seems to be more locality than it, yeah, I remember, you know, not all that many years ago, if there was a tremor somewhere, it was news all across America. Oh, this, there was a little tremor out here in Los Angeles and you know, it was 1.2 on the Richter scale and all. I mean, that, I'm, I'm making more earthquake than that walking around up here. But, but they, would, they would tell you all about that stuff. Now you hear something and it's just a little sideline that, you know, 8,000 people get killed in an earthquake and they don't hardly even say anything about it. And, and you wonder if somebody knows what this Bible says and they don't want to scare people. They don't want to let people know the truth about what's going on. So anyway, there's all kinds of, all kinds of stuff like that. But these earthquakes, this is a, this is a big deal. And it's in um, uh, Revelation 6.12 talks about that. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Yeah, so I've heard, I've heard stuff about that before, and, uh, uh, you know, that I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they even will have occasion that they'll, they'll, they'll tell you we're going to have a blood moon tonight. And if you've ever gone out and observed that when, they, when that thing's around, uh, particularly if you've got a cloudless sky and you can see it real good and there's not a bunch of hay, well, I'll tell you, that's exactly what the thing looks like. <laughs> it, look, it looks pretty spooky to, to see it. And to think that that's what's going to happen, it's just going to kind of stay like that, is pretty, pretty awing, really, to, to see it. Revelation 6, 12, And behold, I went and opened a sixth seal, and black sackcloth hair, just read that. Seal 7, here. This leads to the seven trumpets. And where we read about that is in the book of Revelation here um, in chapter 8. So there's one whole chapter that we just kind of skipped over there. I never went through and, and read, I glanced through it, but I never read through it. And it didn't have a whole bunch of this. It's just kind of filling stuff, some things that were happening during that period of time and what have you. This leads to the seven trumpets, and this is in verses 8, 1, and 2. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. 
And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets, is what it, is what it says here in the book of Revelation. Now what happens with those things is what's next here in the thing. And trumpets is another underlined deal there in your, in your handout. Trumpet one, hail and fire mingled with blood. Revelation 8, 7. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees was burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Now, I think in the book of Revelation, when it's talking about that stuff being burned up, it's different than my grass in my yard being all burned up right now. I think this is burned up down to the ground, not ever coming back again, kind of, kind of burned up. It sounds, pretty, it sounds pretty bad to me here. Trumpets 2, one-third of the sea becomes blood. That's in Revelation 8.8. 8. And the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. That's a lot of blood. And that's a lot of problems for this earth scientifically the way we know about it when that happens there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's going to go on because that sets off this giant imbalance and this is going to be a really bad it's going to it's kind of it's almost depressing to sit here and read about this when you know you're not going to be here not because i want to be here and see it it's because i know i've got family members that are lost and don't believe any of this stuff Amen. and and i i just i just think about that I've got nieces, nephews, people way, way younger than I am that don't believe this, and it's like, can you guys just get on the page here about this? You need to understand about this thing. Trumpet three, one-third of the fresh water becomes contaminated. Revelation 8.10, and the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. So third part of the fresh water. I was just listening to a thing here the other day. Out of all the water on the earth, I think there's only like 3% of it's fresh water. It's a real, real, the actual fresh water that we have is a pretty small supply compared to the rest of the water that we have. And um, it was on a little science program or something. They talked about the natural cycle and the distillation process of the water because of the rain and how it all works and how God has set that up perfectly and beautifully and, and all that. But that's not even going to be working so great back in this period of time. It doesn't look like... Trumpet four, a third of the day and night is turned to darkness. So you kind of, everybody's going to be like living in Alaska now. I don't know if you've ever been up there or not during that period of time, but that's a strange, strange, strange thing. Revelation 8, 12, and the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. Well, that's a, that takes a lot of imagination to come up to kind of get a picture in your mind about what that's all going to look like. Trumpet five, creatures from hell torment men on the earth. Now, pastor, that's in Revelation 9, 1 through 12. Let's just see kind of what that has to say here. 9, 1 through 12. And a fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and him was given the key to the bottomless pit of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. 
And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and upon them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Boy, and those scorpions of the earth, they really do have power right now. I can't stand those things. We never had them in Ohio. <laughs> I've seen some this big already, and then I've seen some real little, little tiny ones. And I have done the same thing to every one of them, promptly killed them. But you're not going to be able to do that with the things that are going to be on the earth when God has his locusts out here and the other things that are going to be demonizing the planet while, while this is all going on. And it was commanded to them they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which not have the seal on their, on their foreheads. Yeah. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months, and their torment was the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. I haven't been stricken by one of those scorpions yet, but one of our dogs did. And that dog let out a yelp like I could not believe. I mean, I thought, my goodness gracious, what in the world just happened to that puppy dog? And then, that, and then we found the scorpion that did it. And that was the end of that scorpion. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like that of horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were the crowns of like gold, and their faces were as faces of men. Well, I don't know that I've ever even seen anybody like do an artistic drawing of what that might look like, but I could, maybe there is out there. I, I just never bothered getting around to looking it up or anything. But uh, um, they sound pretty, pretty scary. And they had hair as hair of women, and their teeth were as teeth of lions. Crazy. And they had breastplates, as were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. Patty just told me this morning about she was sitting out on the porch there, and a hummingbird came flying up to within about a foot and a half of her face and made a quick, sharp right turn, and she described to me what that thing sounded like as it got closer. I can't imagine what these things must be going to sound like when it sounds like a whole bunch of chariots going down the road here. And they had tails out under scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and the power was to hurt men five months. Yeah, there's no, I don't think you're going to call arrow exterminators up to get rid of these guys. Anyways, um, creatures from hell to torment men on earth. Trumpet six, angels were loose to kill one-third of the population of the earth. What is there, seven and a half billion people on the earth right now? So that's a lot. You do the mathematics there, and that's a lot of folks that are going to end up dying here. Revelation 9, 13 through 21, and then trumpet 7, the great earthquake. That's found in Revelation 11, 13 through 19. All right, and we're going to stop there. It's, wait a minute, what time is it? It's on, oh, we're not going to stop there. We're going to keep going. I looked at that clock. I thought I read it a little bit different. thought we were just about out of time. So anyways, um, Revelation 11, 13 through 19, here's what it talks about. And the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000, and the remnant were affrightened and gave glory to the God of heaven. When that kind of stuff happens, I sit back and I wonder how the media will report that, how that will get distributed among the population here about what, what happened and why there were so many people killed and the timeline about all this when you've got all these other things going on. 
How are they going to justify that? How are we going to look at it? Well, how we look at it is we look at it through the truth of the Bible. We just know what the Bible says about here's all these different things that are going to happen. So none of this should become a mystery to us. There should be no question about what's going on when these things are starting to, the, the signs of the times are starting to point down that direction. But there are people who have heard this and kind of know, have rejected the gospel, but then it says there's going to be people that can still get saved during the tribulation period. Maybe it's that kind of stuff where those people will finally reject the secular aspect of this and then turn over to the Bible to see what in the world is actually going on here. There have been a couple of movies made and books written about this whole, you know, the end of times and stuff. What was the name of that series? The Left Behind series and everything. We've probably talked about that a little tiny bit here and everything. It does an excellent job of kind of predicting and kind of seeing how these different things are going are gonna to come about and maybe even a little bit of a timeline about them and what have you. Now, I've heard pastors say, and yeah, I've, I've probably even said it myself, about the uh, you don't want to be getting your theology from, from Hollywood. That's a, a really, really poor place to, really, it's a poor place to get information about anything. But there are some aspects of it that, are, that have a certain level of entertainment value in the path that it can generate some, some conversation about it. You know, you start talking to somebody about that, about that movie, and you can, you can parlay that thing over to a salvation message pretty, pretty easily. And it doesn't take a whole lot of skill to, uh, to do that. It does take some boldness, and it does take some desire to, to tell people about these things. But the, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that there's a, there's a, a great indication, even in, those, even in those movies, about how the media and, and people will handle the distribution of the information that's going on. And it'll all just be a bunch of lies. It'll be the same thing that they're, that they're doing right now. So we have a responsibility to discern that among the, among the people that might ask a, uh, a question about it. All right. And then um, seven vials. These take place during the Great Tribulation. And this is in Revelation 15, 1 through 16 in, in verse 21. Vial number one here. Oh, and vials is another, there's a lot of places that you're supposed to be writing down or filling in a blank here. Uh, vial one, noisome and grievous sore. Vial two, all the sea is turned to blood. Vial three, all the fresh water is turned to blood. Vial four, the sun causes a great heat which scorches men. There, they can finally report accurately on global warming, maybe except they'll change that too. They won't even call it that anymore. They, they'll, they'll, they'll manage to make this look like something that it's, that it's not. They have very skilled people, evil people, that will, that will do it. We are, in a, we are in a battle between good and evil. Hopefully everybody understands that by, by this point here. Sun causes great heat with scorched men. Vial five, unbearable pain through sores. Well, I don't like unbearable pain. I'm not scared of dying, but I tell people all the time I don't like getting hurt. <laughs> I hope my death is very quick and it comes instantaneously and I don't even know what, uh, what happened. Vial number six here. Euphrates River dries up. And it says here in the, in the lesson plan that that's in preparation for Armageddon. We've all heard that term before, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Vial seven, the earthquake that causes whole cities to be lost. So imagine that, an earthquake so big that... Uh, that uh, New York City is just a pile of rubble out there. 
How many, how many thousands of people live in New York City? How many, how many thousands of people live in just one building in New York City when they're working there, right, or, or whatever? And then um, the, here's some things that the tribulation is often referred to as the day of the Lord, the day of God's vengeance, the time of Jacob's troubles, the 70th week, talked about that in Book of Daniel, the time of the end, the great day of his wrath, the hour of his judgment. We all know we're going to be judged. We're going to be judged on a different basis than everybody else, though. Praise his name. The indignation, the overspreading of abominations, the time of trouble such as never was. And the Bible goes on to say that it never will be again. That's pretty cool. So anyway, time of trouble such as never was. Key figures of the tribulation. And we're just, gonna, we're just run through these quickly. These are all fill out in your paperwork, so get your pencil ready. The Holy Spirit. That's the first one. According to 2 Thessalonians, the Holy Spirit is the agent that keeps sin at bay in this present wicked world. When the Holy Spirit leaves during the time of rapture, the world system will be let loose. The world system will be let loose. You can already see what a mess that has, but without the stability, listen, we're, we, don't mean to be, we don't mean to be egotistical about this, but people like us are the stability in this world right now. People that have a conscience, mor morals, People that have, a, we talk about navigating stuff, you got a North Star, that's what you reference everything to when you're trying to get somewhere, navigate. We Christians have a North Star, we have Jesus Christ in our life, that's our North Star, that's our point of reference for all of this stuff. And if you have that, and, or, and that goes away, people are left with absolutely nothing. Their North Star is gone, you have no idea what direction you're going anywhere, it's so you follow the pack. And the pack is a bunch of people leading it that are evil people. And that's what the Bible says. It talks about this very, this very thing. And so, um, yeah, the world system we let loose. The next major player in this thing is Satan. He is the head of the unholy trinity. Remember, he wants to be like God. He orchestrates and organizes all the beast and false prophets' moves. He's a guy in controlling all these things. Beast, the Antichrist. A Gentile who will be at work through the first three and a half years, but will be openly revealed as the devil's leader in the Great Tribulation. False prophet. A counterfeit Holy Spirit. He can perform miracles and is the spiritual leader for the Antichrist. Now that entity right there is something that's going to have to be reckoned with because you're going to have to have some pretty solid faith to know which direction to point. If, if, you know, if you're one of these people that kind of believes a little bit of stuff and you're in the tribulation and you're trying to make a decision, that's the guy right there that you're going to have to be really watching out for, the false prophet. 144,000 witnesses. These are Jews who are saved and preach the truth before the seventh seal is opened. And then there's these two witnesses. Preach for almost the entire first three and a half years of the tribulation. Now that's a long preaching session there, but these boys are out there doing it. 
performs miracles, and many are saved by their preaching and prophesying. We do not know who they are, but they play a major role in the tribulation. All right. Now that's where we will, uh, that's where we'll end. The next thing where we're going to start up next week when we get back here is the covenant. We'll kind of take a look a little bit on the timeline there on that thing. And while we still have about another minute, does anybody have any questions, comments, concerns? Nobody. Well, that's good, because all I would do is I'd just say, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Sharon, you always have a good question. Miss Linda, you always have a good question. You, oh, you didn't have time. Well, we can make time. Go ahead. <laughs> How about we answer your question the first part of next week? All right. Let's just have a word of prayer here and we'll get moving. Father, thank you for the time that you've set aside for us here this morning. I ask that you be with the pastor this morning as he brings us a message, Lord. Help us to have an open heart and open mind. Find application for it in our lives. We love you, praise you, and thank you in Christ's name. Amen.